Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Meanwhile, of course, we know that the macro has been driving things, and we did get a big jobs report today. That June jobs report showed U.S. employers added fewer jobs than projected. Remember, every, every month we've been getting these upside surprises, not anymore. It does illustrate a labor market that is gradually cooling, but a labor market that, at least by some measures, is still resilient. Jared Bernstein joining us right now. He is the chair of the U.S. Council of Economic Advisors out there on the lawn of the White House. And, Jared, let's start off here. Uh, 209,000 jobs uh, created in the month of June. Let's let's just be clear. I mean, pre-pandemic, I think most of us would have taken 209,000 jobs. But given the high base of which we're coming off from, there is some concern here about whether we're cooling a little bit too much. Well, I think some cooling is uh, important and expected, and uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, 209,000 jobs is uh, a solid number at this point in the expansion. One of the things we did today on our CEA blog uh, is to look at precisely that. Uh, what would you expect at this point in an economic expansion about 38 months in? And we compared it to prior expansions. We looked at uh, where unemployment is and job gains uh, have been traditionally with that relationship. And we come up with numbers in the sort of 160, 170,000 range. So we are continuing to outperform as the economy, as the labor market necessarily cools to better align labor supply and demand. I am curious as to whether there is concern here from an economist perspective and whatever discussions you have to have with the president and, and the rest of his team here, that what the Fed has done so far and what it may continue doing could provide material, additional weakness, I should say, to certain areas of the economy that could maybe mean that we're not talking about 209,000 jobs in the next report or the report after that. We could be talking about something a lot smaller. Well, let me tell you that, as you well know, and I think your intro suggested this, that for something like 14 or 15 months in a row, uh, the jobs report beat expectations. So the fact that this is one month where it underperformed expectations by a little bit uh, shouldn't lead us to completely rewrite uh, recent history. Um, look, as you well know, we don't get into the Fed's knitting, and one of the most important things we can do to help ease inflationary pressures, I should say, to help continue to ease inflationary pressures, because inflation is down by more than half since its peak is to let the Fed's, Fed do its thing. Now, uh, when I listen to Chair Powell talk about the macroeconomy, and certainly from our perspective, when we talk about transitioning to steady, stable growth, the kind of things we're looking for is a deceleration from the breakneck pace of job gains, but still significant uh, uh, additions. And that's exactly what we saw in June. You know, we have an unemployment yeah. rate that's been, been below 4% for 17 months. That's a 50-year record. So we still have a strong job market but we're making important progress on easing inflationary pressures. There are a lot of people, though, looking at this report, too, Jared, and they're looking at other measures like payroll diffusion indexes and saying that maybe the job growth that we have is a little bit more concentrated in certain sectors. So, yes, we're creating those jobs. Those jobs are at a level in aggregate that are healthy, but this is not necessarily a broad-based expansion of the labor market right now. 
Well, we really uh, like to get under the hood. And in fact, I'm glad you brought up the diffusion index because I, I think that's an important indicator that's a bit underloved. Uh, but of course, that's been you know north of 50% for a while now. And one reason for that is that uh, at least over the co course of the expansion, uh, the manufacturing sector has been pretty strong, uh, up just under 800,000 jobs. That's still uh, a very strong expansion. Now, in recent months, that's settled down some. And we'll continue to watch that. Um, you know, autos have started to perk up a bit. We've seen some good results on auto sales, on auto production. So we're actually seeing good construction results, by the way, including today. Yeah. Uh, so I think if we look sector by sector, uh, we still see a, a, a thoroughly uh, robust uh, job market. Well, what about some of the demographics? Uh, our international economics correspondent, Michael McKee, pointed this out to me, that when you look at the unemployment rates uh, in terms of uh, demographics here, went down for white men, went down for white women, but it went up for blacks, it went up for Hispanics, and it went up for those who only have a high school education or less. Well, uh, if you look at some of those demographic categories, as you should, and I applaud Michael for doing that, um, you really do have to take account of the fact that these are some very noisy indicators. They jump around a lot from month to month. And in fact, the increase in black unemployment, BLS will tell you that was statistically insignificant in June. But that wasn't the case in, uh, in, in uh, May, where it did, it did grow. Uh, uh, but that's off a 4.7% trough. That's, I think, among the lowest black unemployment rate on record. So the smart thing there to do is to take the average for the quarter. The black unemployment rate for Q2 is 5.4%. Okay, right. we've got we got June this morning. That's tied for the lowest quarterly rate on record. Okay, but it's still almost double what, what you find for, for whites, and uh, there are certain... Well, that is a very long-term structural problem and something okay. uh, we care a lot about. And in fact, one of the pillars of Bidenomics is trying to make sure that our public investments and our empowering of the workforce reaches uh, folks from all communities, not just those on the coast, not just those in rural areas, but communities of color. That's a, a very important value of ours. How, how are you doing that right now? And more importantly, Jared, how do you communicate that to folks who aren't economists, who don't understand yeah. all the sort of machinations that go into these reports? Great question. So uh, one of the best ways I think we're doing that is if you look at the scope and space of the investments associated with Bidenomics, and of course I'm talking about the Inflation Reduction Act, the Chips and Science Act, and the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law. Go to invest.gov. So this is not just hand-waving. This is data that you can click to in one click. And I, I know you at Bloomberg are very good at these graphics, so I, I uh, suggest you go there and show your viewers this, and you will see these little bubbles of investment all across the country. And you know your, your question about how do we get the message out, well, invest.gov is one way to do it, but a, another very powerful way to do that is to have our team, from the president down to the cabinet, getting out there, flooding the nation, explaining to them what we do. And then the president was in South Carolina just the other day talking precisely about these investments, and I think that's uh, a good way to break through on, the, on that important geographical dispersion of these investments. All right, Jared, uh, we're going to have to leave it there. Appreciate you rushing over and taking time for us. Jared Bernstein there, the chair of the White House Council of Economic Advisors. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.